Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not replace your own financial, tax, legal, or financial product advice. Hello Australia, welcome to My Millennial Money. I'm Glenn James and this guy is... John Pigeon. Welcome to the podcast. If you are a regular, uh, this is a podcast for the M3 community. If you're not a member of the M3 community, you're allowed to uh, be a member if you want to make yourself a member. There's, there's a low barrier to entry to be a member. Uh, <laughs> no if, cost. No cost. If you're just uh, dropping on by to say hi, welcome. Hopefully your stay is good. Now John, we have a cool episode coming up today. We're talking about ETFs. We're talking about purchasing a home with super. Uh, Another question came up about uh, using a trust or not. Mm. And I saw that in the Facebook group uh, just today. So we'll chat about that again. Um, And we'll try and get into some other trouble along the way. But officially, we have got some good news, Johnson. Have we? We do. Ah, Please share. So... It's about the future of My Millennial Money, and I've been talking about this for a couple of weeks, but that news is the show will go on, baby. Oh, yeah. And do you know why, John? Because uh, the grandfather of money has dropped down from heaven and given you a wad. That's exactly right. Close. But we now have a show partner for our Tuesday show, and they will help bring the show to you each week. Uh, we're a small independent podcast and we need support bringing this stuff to you at least two times a week uh, on My Millennial Money. So that show partner is Tal, T-A-L, and we're launching today. And if you don't know who Tal is, that's okay. You'll learn a bit more about Tal each Tuesday. And in the spirit of full transparency, we'll just give Tal a little shout-out at the start of every episode. It won't be more than about 20 minutes or an hour for that little shout-out. I'm just joking, back off everyone. And for the next couple of weeks, if you l- listen regularly, uh, we'll just tell you about who they are and what they do. And then it'll be more like financial tips and financial hacks and wellness stuff that will be brought to you by Tao. Good idea. Now, who is Tao? Well, Tao, and that's T-A-L, they're Australia's leading life insurer. Tao is committed to helping more Australians understand the value of life insurance and supporting them in their time of need. And it's not their first rodeo. Tao has been around for over 150 years, so almost as old as you, John. And when, and when you've been around for that long, you kind of learn what matters, right? What you matters do. most. It's experience. What do, you, what do you reckon matters most? Experience? Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So it's their experience that does allow. You've read this script. Oh, you guessed this. I'm just reading this, everyone, so I get it right. So it's their experience that allows them to protect you and your loved ones' future with confidence. They insure more than 4.5 million Australians and their families, and they're right here. They're supporting My Millennial Money. They are our show partner, and we can't do this show without them. TAL, insuring this Australian life. Search TAL online or speak to your financial advisor today about how TAL can help protect you and your family. And if you need an advisor, head to sortmoneyout.com, click Get Help, 
And uh, that's that's about that. That's we'll, awesome. we'll introduce well you to an advisor in any case. So let's get on with the show. Thanks, Tal, and welcome to the M3 family. Righty right, Johnson. I keep calling you Johnson. Do people call you that? Uh, no. Okay. Could I feel free to. All right. No worries. But- On the Facebook group this morning, yes. I put up a question. If you had $10,000 to put in an ETF or managed fund right now, what would it be and why? Mm. So, if I gave you 10000 now, John, and said, you have to invest this. Yes. Not into dumb property or any of that crap. <laughs> Like, what are you using? What are you investing in? A bike. No, it's got to be an ETF or managed fund. <laughs> All right. Uh, Vanguard. Yeah? Yeah. Why is that? Because you told me to and I know it and I trust it. Bit yeah. like tell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving right, right along. Um, Neil Alexander, uh, and he's actually on the podcast uh, in a couple of weeks doing a My Millennial Story. Cool. He says, I'll invest in BetaShares Diversified All Growth ETF, DHHF, because it's highly diversified, 8,000 companies in 60 countries. Pretty diverse, isn't it? It is. So I don't need to funk about with rebalancing and all that nonsense. It's a low-cost MER, and that's 0.19%. So instead of paying extra for an ethical fund, I can just donate the money I save to a charity of my choice. So that's what Neil would do. Mm. Uh, Ashim says... NDQ or ETHI uh, because I like them. I am a beginner and I'm basing this choice off on past performance. Well, I wouldn't always do that, but anyway, we're here now. These are the only investments that have given me a good return without giving me a heart attack with volatility. Um, So ETHI, it's BetaShares Global Sustainability Leaders ETF and the fund objective is to uh, track the performance of an index that includes a portfolio of large global stocks identified as climate leaders that also have passed screens to exclude companies with direct or significant exposure to fossil fuels or engage in activities deemed inconsistent with responsible investment considerations. So that's the ETHI uh, BD Shares ETF. I just thought I'd give a little bit of information about these just so people can research them. And so, for example, uh, some of the top holdings in that fund, in that ETF, NVIDIA Corp at 6%, so they do all like graphics cards for computers, Apple Inc, 4.3, Home Depot, 3.7, Visa, Adobe, MasterCard, PayPal, Toyota, Cisco, and all the big names in there. Mm. But this is funny, John, like this ethical climate leader stuff Mm. You could be a climate leader as opposed to this index here and still think Apple's ethical if you're making heaps of Apple stuff with Correct. fossil fuels yes, or whatever. Yes. So, it's a it's a wild world, yeah. this ethical investing, isn't it? Where does it start and finish? Well, the more ethical you get, the less you'll be able to invest in. You'll end up mm. being able to invest in cash only. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah, I had this conversation with my wife the other day about clean energy investing. Mm-hmm. And versus dirty, yeah. <laughs> and it was a, a constructive conversation because we do hold shares that isn't in clean energy, right? And uh, yeah. why is that? Because you just had them forever, yeah. And yeah, yeah. And they performed extremely well. So, so you're saying stuff the planet, give me my money? No, no. And that was the the, the height of the conversation yeah, was. Yeah. Uh, 
she was like, couldn't care less about the money, we should sell them. Mm. And I'm like, okay, well, let's just hold tight and just do a bit more research around this. Mm. But, yeah, I, I definitely uh, can see where she's coming from. Mm. What would you do? Oh, I – yeah, I I think where and when I can make a choice mm. that's good for the environment, Yeah, I'll do that. Totally. Um, like even to the point where I'm happy to pay more for items if it's not wrapped in plastic, yeah. if it's in a glass bottle or uh, mm. you know what I mean? Like, um, yeah, I'm just really pissed off with Australia, the mm. way that um, – we're carrying on and sell their soul as well. Yeah, and mm. I mean, it's just so political. Yeah. And I don't. This is not a political podcast, but to a point, you know, the two major parties. I reckon there's a lot of political refugees out there, mm. and it might be very interesting to see what the Greens Party pick up next election. Yeah, that's right. Because they're gaining a lot of momentum. Like we have to. It is like the data is there. The science is there. We have mm. to move to a green economy. Mm. But I, and this is more, I'm, let's get another economist on because I want to talk about this UBI again, like the universal basic income. Yeah. And me, I'm thinking, okay, if we have to shut down a coal industry or whatever, I'm just, you know, being mm. dramatic. Mm. For those who are impacted by that shutdown, can we give them a UBI? Yeah. And because we have to transition at some point. I know. But, uh, like Australia was born on the the back of the sheep, as they say, way back when. Mm. Um, I'd hate to think how much coal and and a lot of others prop the country up. Oh yeah, big time. So how that trickle on effect affects everyone? It's just it's funny and it's so philosophical because like you look at the countries in the Middle East that sell oil and they're really wealthy companies countries and then there's no tax and everyone's apparently looked after and mm. we won't worry about the human rights violations because not a big deal apparently. And that's a joke, everyone back off. Um, but like, it kind of annoys me how there's like three or four rich people in Australia that, oh, we own this big hole of dirt yeah. and we sell everything there and profit. Like, yeah. you know, Gina and Twiggy, yeah. they're only bawling it because they're, they've Bought the mine, like I don't know. It just mm. anyway. I almost inherited. We we drove. I don't out. want to get socialist and all that because I'm not a socialist. Uh, but I just think something's got to change with Australia. Totally, and you, and you don't have to drive too far from here to go and witness what's actually going on out there and the and what's happening in the air mm. uh, over the top of these things. And and I was out there early in the week with my boys, and this train would would have been no less than 80 carriages the boys were counting. And, uh, yeah, guess what that thing had in it? And, and you could see what, how it was ruining the landscape of the area. Black gold, was it? It was black gold. <laughs> yeah, and, and this is it. Like, I'm pragmatic enough to say, well, no, we don't want to destroy someone's livelihood overnight, mm. but there needs to be a transition and faster than 2050. Mm. And if that means we have to rejig something and have a UBI for those industries that – are transitioning or something like that, like for something to change, something's got to change. Yeah. And it, it needs to be drastic change. Well, for it, but to it might anything. take the generation of your kid's age to get into power mm. to actually make it happen. There needs to be enough numbers, doesn't it, at the end of the day, and mm. that's where the Greens might help. Yeah, so anyway, well, that was a bit of a tangent, but that's what um, 
that NDQ is. Uh, it's an investment into, um, you know, global sustainability leaders. Um, do you want to read those ones there, that, what those people said they would do? So Sean Carville says RBTZ, ETF tracking Popal and Robotics Global, particularly for robotics, growth is there. Yeah, so that's a beta shares fund, RBTZ, and they track uh, out of Asia, uh, artificial intelligence and robotics companies. Um, yeah, good little ETF, that one. Mm. Uh, Alex Uphadia, I think it's how pronounced, buying IVV with all money in ASX and the remaining residue amount to separate into top three crypto and sleeping good at night and spending quality time with family at weekends, always drawing lines and analyse graphs and looking the crystal ball kills personal, mental and social life. Mm. Uh, the IVV is the BlackRock iShares Core S&P 500 ETF. So if you want exposure to the top 500 companies in the US, uh, you can use IVV. And full disclosure, I actually hold um, shares in that. Some holding. Some holding. Uh, Jack Shutrim says VDHG. Vanguard Diversified High Growth Fund. Yeah. And that's a, that was kind of the first one-stop shop for investors mm. where – you know, it's a diversified portfolio. You've got exposure to international equities, Australian equities, some listed property, I think, some yeah. um, defensive assets. So it really was. And I actually profiled the three Vanguard funds, diversified high growth, diversified balanced, and the uh, diversified conservative fund in the book as just a baseline profile. Yes. But like stuff that um, Neil said with the DHHF with beta shares, yeah. it's kind of... Um, a, a, another option that's now available uh, because obviously beta shares, the fund manager, haven't been around as long as Vanguard. So, mm. Catherine Mack agrees, VD, uh, VDGR. Yeah, which is um, a 70% growth Yeah, where the high growth is 90, I believe. Yes, and I witnessed the difference in that last week. Did you really? Yes, because uh, I have my oh, kids' fund set up uh, in mm. that, uh, yeah, and full disclosure as well. I've got um, VDHG in an investment bond that I just pump. Yeah, and the difference between balanced and high growth was extreme. Yeah, right. Which makes sense. Mm. Uh, and Nick Toparkas says AEF ethicality is future quality. Well, there you go. Um, so we might share some more in the after party. I'll read more from the Facebook group. Uh, but let's now move on to a question from Ellie Lowry. What's Ellie got to say there, John? Savings versus investing. How much cash should you hold versus how much cash you should invest? So someone's having a clarity call with you <laughs> and they say, I've got cash. What do I do with it? What do you say to them? I actually spoke about this with someone today. Really? Uh, yeah, it was uh, ironic actually. Understanding how much cash we've got and what your maybe risk profile is, number one. So how much do you feel comfortable with as a buffer amount um, up your sleeve that never needs to be touched, only in emergencies. Uh, understanding lifestyle requirements. So have we got kids on the way? Are we going to be on one income at some stage in the next five years? Have we got their schooling? Are we, do we want to go overseas and have a sabbatical? Like all those factors that uh, a lot of people don't think past that 
initial two to three years. So go out 10 years and see what you can find. And then obviously the diversification, uh, what you might already have as investments and where you need to, to shift with that. But um, And then you can, I think as a result of answering the first couple of parts to that, then you can understand how much cash you might be willing to uh, put towards maybe a set and forget investment. What would you do? Yeah, I, I think it just goes, you know, back to goals. Like we only invest money that isn't needed in the medium to long term. Mm. It's as simple as that. So if I, you know, savings versus investing, how much cash should you hold? Well, I'm obviously keeping an emergency fund. Yeah. I'm then saying, well, I do want to go to Prague next year. So I'm going to need five grand for that. So I'm not going to invest that. Or if I want to buy a home and I've got 30 grand worth of uh, a deposit that I need to put into my own home, well, I'm not going to commit that to investing. So it really goes down to you've got cash. What do you need it for in the short term? Then anything that's not accounted for can be put to the long term. Now, you could almost go another way as well, John. Like you might say, well, I'm going to invest first and pay myself first with my income, 10% straight off the top. It's going into investments and then just let the cards fall as they may. Like this is the weird thing about personal finance. There's no right or wrong as long as it works for you. Yeah, I think understanding your own position is key and and understanding what's available to them is, is also really important. Like in the case today, they said, well, okay, I... I don't, doesn't really worry me if I, I spend majority of it. And I said, well, okay, well, let's pull the truck up and maybe work out uh, in the event of something going wrong that we've got a good buffer amount there. So we agreed on a, a X amount that was somewhere in between what I thought and what they thought. Uh, and then you decide how risky do you want your investment to be? If it's property, if it's shares, if it's individual stocks, whatever, you've got to understand what that where that risk profile sits. But yeah, thinking of everything before we pull the trigger. Mm. But one thing funny, uh, one thing that is funny is because I'm a spender, I had to train myself to be an investor, not a saver. So Glenn James, I still maintain that I can't save money mm. because if there's cash laying around, I'll get my dirty mitts on it. And like there's two kayaks out the back of my house that yes. were in impulse. Guess how many times I've used them? Mm, couple. One and a half. Have you? Like, I thought I saw you the other day, so I counted that one. Yeah, like, <laughs> and that was my problem. Because I'm so impulsive, I still mm. do dumb stuff. So if there's cash laying around, it grows legs. Yeah. but The second air market's pretty solid though. <laughs> that's right, I might make some money. <laughs> but if I've got this mindset that I'm an investor and not a saver... I don't know, someone just needs to hear that out there in podcast land today. Mm. Like if you suck at saving, change your mindset, you're a good investor because once it's committed to investing, you close the account, don't like, don't have it on your phone or whatever, just automatically just pump that out of sight, out of mind, growing wealth for the future. So it comes back to your personality. Yeah. And reading Atomic Habits. And sort your money out and get invested. Those two books will change your life. Yes. One of them more than others. Yes. We'll let you be the judge of that. Liam Byrne asks, purchasing a house with our superannuation. This has cooled off in recent years for a variety of reasons. Um, it's not as easy to do anymore. There's less banks borrowing. 
But Aleva Land, what happens is they call it a limited recourse loan, which means there's no recourse back to the super fund if the shat hits the fan and the the mortgage doesn't get paid or whatever and the bank needs to sell the home. Like they've only got recourse against that asset. And I might be a bit scratchy on this, but <laughs> bear with me, everyone. So we, we have to first step back and say, well, to purchase a home with our superannuation, number one, we can't live in it. Number two, we can't have a family member live in it. And number three, if we've already got a, an investment property that's a residential property in our own name, we can't transfer that into it. To have a self-managed superannuation account, you really do want at least $250,000, in my opinion, in there as an account balance between you and your partner, or you can have up to four members. I believe you only really want a self-managed super fund for a couple of reasons. Number one, you do have a burning desire to buy property. So that's straight off the bat. Yeah, I just, I'm a property, you know, I'm a sucker for property. I'm John Pigeon and I want, give me property. I'll buy it in self-managed super fund. I'll buy it in my nan's name. I'll buy it in any name. I just want property. Mm. So you've got a burning desire. Number two, you might have a complex estate plan situation and there's a blended family and you do want a little bit more control over your superannuation and uh, with trustee discretion. Number three, you have significant wealth and it just makes sense from a scale point of view to have the self-managed super fund. Number four, you, you may run a business and you can run your business out of that complex. Well, and that's it. Like you, you can buy commercial property with your self-managed super fund and rent it from, and you rent the commercial property from, the from your own fund. You can do that. Yeah. You can also transfer a commercial property into a super fund if you already own it as well. But what I'd probably say is based on, are you able to grab my calculator over there, Johnson? Let's do some basic, um, let's do some basic maths and numbers, right? Let's assume, let's assume there's a six hundred and fifty thousand dollar property in the self in that you want to purchase with your self managed super fund. Most of the time, you're going to need at least your twenty percent deposit. Sometimes thirty, depending on the lenders. There's only a few lenders that do this now because it's such an annoyance. So even if we just call it, you know, twenty percent, you're going to need one hundred and thirty thousand dollars at the get go to put towards your property, which means there's going to be a loan of $520,000, right? And the bank will then say, well, uh, the superannuation contributions that are paid by your employer will help service the loan as well as the rent from the investment property, right? But to settle on the loan, they're going to need, a lot of the banks will say, well, you're borrowing 520000 We want to see a buffer of 10% before we settle. So, you're going to need an extra $52,000. So, you're going to need grand to open your eyes and yeah. think about this. Plus, you got stamp on top of that as well. You got stamp duty. Mm. You've also got to make sure that as you, as you are the trustee, you've got to make sure the members have insurances and death cover. Mm. It's... It's just not something you need to walk into and do. I know 15 no. years ago, every bloody asshole was flogging this crap because 
the accountant was making money, the mortgage broker was making money, the property spruker was making money. Like, yeah, it was just horrendous. And I think it was at a time when superannuation let them down GFC, which um, probably said, well, okay, I'm going to take it into my own hands. Now mm. I'm going to go and buy property. Um, so there was a bit of a perfect storm happening there, wasn't there? Yeah, but you've got other considerations. I mean, if you own a property in your self-managed super fund and there's two members and one of the members dies, mm. well, that member benefit has to be paid out. Yeah. So does that property have to be sold or we need, do we need to get some life insurance to cover that? So yeah. like it's- yeah. It's so, a big a big undertaking. It is, yeah. And there are some cases that you can lend at a 20% deposit, but in most cases, 30. Mm. But the other consideration is the interest rate is higher. That's right, yeah. In, in your superannuation as opposed to in your just your personal name. So, and each year, because you're basically running a company, right? Mm. So, we'll just call it $2,000 worth of financials and accounting each year, you know, and an audit. Yeah. So if we go $2,000 divided by $250,000, that's 0.8%. So any like, I guess 0.8 is reasonable for a self-managed super fund fee, but that's not even talking about the investment fee. No. Like if you wanted to get your money and then invest that into an ETF, well, you might have another 0.5%. So... I just think there's more times now that you will not need a self-managed super fund than the times that you will. Yeah, it, it's a bit of a different beast than it used to be, and the the big interest uh, the the big one is the interest rate. Like, you might be paying up to two percent more than what you can get on the open market for for P and I in your own name for your own rock. So you've got to factor that in, which really lends itself towards needing a really high yield. Uh, with that superannuation uh, purchase. So does that detract from what you're actually trying to do because we're going in search of a a 7 8% gross yield? Well, where can we find that? Well, that's harder to find in resi. Uh, If we we can find it in commercial, maybe easier, but what is the entry price for commercial? And as you said, like you've mentioned, 250, I say absolutely minimum 200 before you even have a conversation. and I think I saw that post today or whenever it was about the someone bought for 200K, 250K. So if you're playing with those numbers, it's a bit of a different ball game, isn't it? But mm. on the example of your five, six, 700K, yeah, the, the um, shackles can fall down pretty quick. Yeah, I was doing an interview on a podcast uh, yesterday and, you know, because I'm still doing this book tour thing and – the guy's like, oh, so you've got property, why not buying property with your super fund? And I'm like, well, number one, I just don't want more freaking paperwork in my life each year. But number two, for me, it's more of a diversification play. Like I'm quite happy to be property heavy outside super and keep my super to equities. And you can't borrow to improve the place and you can't use the equity from it either. So it's their standalone properties within your super. Mm. So there's a lot more restrictions to think about. So, but good topic of conversation, mm. Liam, for sure. And following on from that, superannuation is a trust uh, that is there for your benefit. Mark Langford says trust or no trust. And Zach Stevenson in the Facebook group also said, "How do you legally own your investments, and why did you decide to own them that way?" I am. 
meeting with an accountant today to talk about potentially setting up a trust to hold investments. And I'm curious to see how, how others have set themselves up. I'm still early in my investing journey and I'm single. So there's not a huge benefit to a trust except asset protection, but I'm also considering it more to set up right uh, from the get-go so I don't have to move assets around later down the line. So that's all well and good to have that mindset about before I pull the trigger, I want to do it right. Uh, and we will, we touched on this last week, but we will do more of a um, an episode around trusts. And Emily mentioned you guys might do a property one uh, about trusts. But I wrote in the comment, and you can look in the Facebook group, just um, search Zach Stevenson or um, hashtag investing or hashtag property. I just wrote, I think for most people, there are less reasons to use a trust. If employee without any risk, no big deal, re-asset protection in the main. So, you're a school teacher, you're a librarian, you're a butcher, you're a baker, you're a candlestick maker, employee. Well, you don't ordinarily carry a lot of risk, right? Because you're an employee. Correct. Um, you know, if you've got smaller investment sizes, you know, probably not a big deal to need a trust. Um, sure, if you're like, well, I've only got a small amount at the moment, but within the next five years, I can see that really ratcheting up to 500 to a million dollars maybe we can start talking about it. Um, but even with a smaller investment amount, even if you did have $300,000 invested in your own name and you're like, well, I'm really getting happening now, it's still okay to set up a trust and not sell down those mm. and just invest from scratch in the trust going forward, right? Yeah, that's right. And, and I think it actually comes back to the type of accountant you've got in your corner because a lot of accountants are pro-trust. Let's set it up for asset protection and and uh, dividend uh, diversification. Yeah, but they're but- pro that because they can charge a bloody fee. Correct. Which, so, which is fine if it's warranted. If it is warranted, yeah. While other accountants will look a bit more strategically and say, well, it's not for you right now, Glenn, but it may be in 10 years. Let's just keep an eye on it mm. because essentially it's it's asset protection, which is becoming less and less, I think, and the second part is um, dividend distribution, isn't it? Yeah. And then, you know, for asset protection, like if you've got an investment property in your own name and there's a mortgage attached to it, well, what more asset protection do you want? A creditor right. isn't going to come and try and sell the house when the mortgage has a lien, like the bank has a lien against it yeah. in the way of a mortgage. So, I mean, this is all good. I love these conversations, right? Because it's all education. It's all learning my unsolicited advice to Zach would be just to invest in learning about the investments, learning what you're going to invest in. Like mm. we list, looked at those ETFs, like yeah. there's no harm. And then with the trust, if you buy a property within the trust, your land tax thresholds start at zero. Yeah, it looks pretty ugly in that case. I would nearly go as far to say anyone in their 20s would not need a trust. Except... Because I was in my 20s when I started my trust. Except if you had a business? Yep. Um, and you were receiving a whole heap of dividends and you and you needed some asset protection and some distribution of money. Yeah, so for me, setting up my family trust, when I had my first business, we set up a family trust, which I've still got now. Uh, my operating company was a unit trust with a corporate trustee. That yep. was the business that I ran. I ran it as a unit trust. Yeah, so... Mark Langsford saying trust or no trust, mm. I, I'm taking it as though trust to invest with, mm. either shares or property. If it's a business, it's a totally separate conversation. Absolutely. 
And I mean, even uh, Simo Interactive, which is the private company that runs the pod- podcasts and employs all the staff, yeah, 100% of the shares in that company are owned by my family trust. Yeah. So, it's... I like the flexibility with family trusts. I like the longevity, like it is my wealth creation vehicle for life. Like I've already built and sold one business mm. with trust ownership. Yeah, and, um, and I'm the same. But I'm saying, well, okay, Mark goes to his accountant, first first investment property, let's set up a unit trust and, and buy that because you need asset protection. Yeah, overcooking like it, yeah. To no good. Yeah, yeah. So good discussion. I love this mm. crap. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, we're going to come back. I'm going to share some cool housekeeping, some exciting news that I've had this week. And also we're going to answer Haley's question around some housing instances and opportunities uh, as she's a defense member. So we'll be right back. If you're after personal financial advice, don't get it from a podcast. If you would like help based on your own personal situation, head over to sortyourmoneyout.com. Click get help and we'd be happy to introduce you to one of our trusted advisors. Our panel of advisors, mortgage brokers and accountants work with clients all over Australia so they can connect with you wherever you are. That's sortyourmoneyout.com and click get help. Johnny boy. Yes. Some good news. I love good news. Yep, good news story. Uh, my podcast, My Millennial Money Express, yes. uh, is in the finals, top six of the Australian Podcast Awards. Wow. Yep. Well done. Thanks. How, how did it beat My Millennial Money? Uh, I don't think I entered My Millennial Money in that competition. <laughs> 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 I wanted the glory myself. Fair enough. Too. No, I think we. Um, no, you look. You deserve it. No, I think what we did because these award things, right? Like <laughs> the award companies, they're running a business, and because we earn money from the podcast, it's like two hundred dollars per yeah. entry. Yeah. So I think I spent a grand entering a heap of podcasts. But what I did, I don't think I entered M three at all. Oh, maybe I did in one category. But I entered the property one, the health one, the careers, yeah. Azaria for Gen Z money. So I just sprinkled a whole heap, and that's yeah, what come out. That's what came out. Well, so on. yeah, your boy Glennie's a uh, a finalist in the <laughs> Australian Podcast final. Awards. Is that your first final you've made? Like Carl Lewis made a lot in the eighties. Yeah, of, <laughs> yeah. I this was this is it. I, I don't actually expect to win because I don't win anything. So yeah. Um, yeah. well done. Yeah, thanks. So when is the when when's it announced? In December. Mm. They got an awards night at the Ritz in Randwick. Gee, hope it doesn't conflict with the M three shows. Oh, the M three shows the night after, I think. Um yeah. so I've got two tickets. So I told uh, the girls in Queensland in the team, Jess and Rachel, and I said, if you want if you want to come down and bring a frock, mm. you can be my date. Yeah. And if they can't get in because of borders and all that Oh. I'll be looking for a, what do you look like in a frock? <laughs> no, no, I'm not good. So, sounds yeah, like, if you want like... to join me, uh, send your entries to uh, I Want to Wear a Frock with Glenn, uh, care of GPO Box 3782 in your capital city. Mm. Um, what else is happening? The audio book is out on the 1st of December. So, that's well and truly done. Uh, if you are interested in working out, if you're a first home buyer and you want to know, is it time for me to f- find a mortgage broker and speak to a mortgage broker? I've put together a little quiz that just filters through. You don't have to put your name or e- contact email or anything in that 
in that. Or if you want to know if a financial advisor is right for you, go to uh, go to sortyourmoneyout.com, click get help, scroll down after the photo of me, there's two blue buttons, you know, do I need a financial advisor? Do I need a mortgage broker? Mm. So you can click sure. that and it'll just help you. Uh, they're in beta stage at the moment. So they, I think they're pretty good. They might be a little bit glitchy. Uh, what else? I've covered that. I've covered Tau. We've, uh, so the spending plan, it's all been reshot and there's a heap of new modules in there, uh, particularly around giving and generosity and having an emergency fund as well. Very good. So there's a, a discount in the show note if you want to purchase the Glen Jane spending plan. If you want to buy the spreadsheet by itself or just the how to get out of debt module, they are also available. So we'll put a link in the show notes. And finally, I put a post out. I'm giving away 30 books, John, to various community organizations and charities. And we are in the process of choosing those 30. Uh, there was more than 30 in. So we've just got to filter through. I'll probably end up giving 50 away. So a book um, page? Yeah, so there's a heap of um, community centres and charities who want to, um, yeah. It's very noble of you. Well, I've got, yeah, I've got a heap here mm. that I got as part of the deal and I just want to get them out there and get my uh, lounge room back and Absolutely. also just um, yeah. add value because if one person picks it up and gets something out of it, that's awesome. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Um, before we get to Haley. um we actually started talking before we press record and I said to John, just hang on a sec. If I'm going to get your free advice, we may as well record this. You guys on the My Millennial Property podcast, you did an episode about solar the other day. I'm getting a guy to come here to quote to put solar on my roof here. And I was thinking, well, while he's quoting and doing a job for Glenn, should I get solar on the property at uh, Snakehaven? So I've got an investment property. It's a townhouse. It'd probably only need a five to six kilowatt system. So maybe only six grand. Yeah. Like, and I'll be honest, like I'm not heaps doing it because of the crossover and all that with costs or I probably won't charge more rent at this stage, but I just think I've got the money. Why can't I take control of my little square of the earth and try and be more efficient? Yeah. So look, if... If that's your number one reason, then nothing else overrides that. So, but then I'm thinking, do you reckon I could get an extra twenty dollars a week when Dirty Mike moves <laughs> yeah, out? <laughs> so, so that's the uh, that's the dance that we play, isn't it? And, yeah. and like when you when you talk about spending, let's call it round figures five grand, mm. um, and you you jack the rent up twenty dollars. Yeah. that's a thousand dollars a year round round enough figures. Yeah. So five years is your return on investment. Mm. But what you've done for, as I said, your little your little patch of dirt is uh, is good for the environment, and the uh, the tenants' running costs of of their life is going to be a little bit mm. less. So yeah, it's a win win if you're going to hold on to the property. And then actually, we we did. I don't know if we spoke about it on the show, but I think indeed. People are putting a higher price on the fact that something has got solar mm. when they go to buy that particular property. If they're standing next to a property that hasn't got it versus one with it, they would uh, they would take it. So, how much extra? Who knows? Depends on the personality. Yeah, and I I just think you know they last probably ten, fifteen, twenty years, right? 
And that was the conversation we had and mm. it's interesting and it probably hasn't been, the battery hasn't been around long enough to understand how long it will last and then the cost of repairs. Well, I've, this wouldn't have a battery, the one on the rental property. Okay, so no batteries. Yeah, so just the panels. Yeah. yeah. But the whole thing is like it will probably get to a new norm like where it's just taken as given, taken as read. Okay, it's got solar. Well, I'm not paying extra because that's the norm, right? So it's yeah. I can't really do it based on the fact that I want to make more money after a five-year. Um, yeah. No, and, and I'd like to see the day where every new house built in Australia is, is it comes with solar. Mm. Uh, that may not be too far away. Yeah. So, yeah, I did listen to half of your episode on My Millennial Property, uh, but couldn't be bothered listening to the rest of it, so I thought I'd just ask you. Oh, it was free. Hayley Hawks, defence members with subsidised housing and moving every two years. This is a common one. Should they invest or buy a property? Mm. So they're stationed in bloody ACT for two years. Do we buy there, live in it? Okay, now we're moving to Jarvis Bay or another port or we're moving to Cairns. I don't know where invest, uh, where defence things are. Yeah. We're moving to Pine Gap. Like my gut feeling is we're not just randomly buying properties where we're posted. No, no. And, and I think I've had a, a few clients over the years who have been in defence and, and in this situation and I sort of liken it to – what I was doing early days and, and buying in the area that I was living in at the time, but I wasn't living in it. I was rent vesting, so to speak. Uh, I think it comes back to Haley, and I know that defence members are, are subsidised really well by their rent um, or, or renting a property uh, close to the to the base. And I know that you can't buy property within a certain distance of of that particular workplace. So. I think it comes back to can we have a happy medium where the the location of where you're actually posted is a good place to invest in general? Um, And and then the second part of that is um, are we foregoing our rent for the sake of just buying a property in that region because that's pretty attractive from uh, from what I'm told in my experience. See, I would imagine as long as we're in defence, as long as we're – getting shipped around every year, I'm not having buying a home in those regions as part of my strategy at all. No, but if the stars align, align, but I know there's some good areas to where they are, like your um, your Canberra as an example, Mm. and then there are other areas that say, well, you probably wouldn't invest there in general, so Mm. why are we looking there? Is it just because we're living there? Yeah. Um, And I I had a conversation with someone the other day who's living in Darwin Mm. for three years and the property market up there is is pretty bullish. Do we buy there just because we want to live in our own home? Will we hold it and would we have been buying or looking in Darwin if we weren't living there? The answer is probably no. And that's that whole thing's like just because you can doesn't mean you should. Yeah. So – we need to go a bit deeper, I think, Haley, with some numbers as to what we're saving with the subsidy and what money we've got to spend if we were buying. But I, if we were going to do it, I would um, try and get the, bo- uh, the best of both worlds to, to be able to take advantage of the subsidy and, and invest instead of living in it. Mm. Well, 
thanks everyone for listening today. Uh, we'll leave it there. Uh, you can find us on Instagram or join the My Millennial Money Facebook group. You can find John on My Millennial Property Podcast. Thank you for being part of this. You know, and we're not solving the world's problems with this My Millennial Podcast. We're just here to encourage you each week. Like yeah. that's, that's all we're doing. Yeah. Um, I get encouraged. John gets encouraged. And we hope you get encouraged. And I just want to thank everyone for listening as always. And thanks to Tao for getting on board and supporting My Millennial Money and financial literacy with everything that we're doing in Australia. So, thank you to Tao. Yeah. And also, they didn't pay for that little shout out at the end either. Uh, just send threw them, that send in. Send them the invoice. Yeah, send, a, send them the invoice. That's off to Tao. All, All right. right. Thanks. Bye. Bye. We acknowledge the dark and young people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits, and pay respect to their elders, past and present. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. My Millennial Money supports A21, a charity focused on abolishing slavery and human trafficking all over the world. Check out a21.org.au for more info. If you would like some other giving options, or if you're unsure about which charity you can support, head to thelifeyoucansave.org.au. This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive, Proprietary Limited, the publisher of the podcast, is an authorized representative of Money Sherpa, Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services license 451289. I just got a message um, from Dirty Mike. Oh, yeah. So, Dirty Mike, if you're an OG listener of the show, he's a good friend of mine. Uh, Dirty Mike's been on the podcast a couple of times. He just got married today. What? Yeah. Wild, right? There's the photo. He just sent me that. (laughs) (laughs) What? He just eloped? No, well, they did a micro wedding, immediate family only. They hired an Airbnb at Barrel. His side of the family, her side of the family... No more than 10 people or whatever it was. Bam, bam. Wow. That's cool. That's good, isn't it? Yeah. It's a way to do it. Yeah. Nice and uh, cheap. Yeah. Or, or just... And they got, you know, Dave Lee, the chef who was on the podcast, who did yeah. all the celebrity and all that. I hooked him up with Dave. So, Dave's doing uh, the private catering. Cool. Um, How nice is Barrel? I love it there. Yeah. It's really good. So... Okay. So... Whoa. What are you bloody doing? He's playing his own. No, no, it's just. Uh... So I'm getting badgered. Um, so I'm just looking at the, these other ETFs that people uh, would invest in. Tim Armitage says IVV, great ETF that tracks the S&P 500 at a very low cost of 0.04%, provides strong, consistent performance. Uh, Brett Laird says DHHF. Um, I think uh, Neil said that. Uh, he has money in it already. Um, Daniel says, I do love myself some AFI, although the market is hot AF right now. Um, Jordan says, the new Bitcoin ETF, um, which is Crip, and that's actually not Bitcoin. We discussed this a couple of weeks ago. Yes, we did. It's more of the companies that are exchanges and in the tech side of crypto. Mm. Joyce says ARK. Uh, Richard Richard says Squid Game Coin. Damo San says IWLD or QUAL. 
Squid, if, squid Game's gone off its head, hasn't it? I haven't watched it. I, I think I'd be too scared. Someone told me it's hectic and I'm yes. sensitive, John. Yes, yes. I'm a sensitive soul. If you can put some money into a couple of ETF funds, I would add half into MAET or HYGG to actively manage some. There was a, a little bit of comment here around, let me find it, HGen, um, hydrogen. So let me just um, Google this. I think it's a ETF securities ETF. Yes, it is. So ETF securities, which is I think State Street, if my memory serves me correctly. Um, does it, anyone? Just going to have a look. Why am I having a blank? It's just so many out there, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah. And it sounds as though it's building by the hour. Why am I having a... Um, maybe no. Um, maybe I'm... Anyway, ETF securities... Um, hmm... Anyway, they've got a hydrogen. Right. Um, ETF. I might actually have a bit more of a look at this. Um, top 10. Let's just have a read here. Sorry about the dead air, everyone. Um, it only started the 6th of October, 2021. 0.69% management fee. It's domiciled in Australia. Um ASX code HGen. Um, the benchmark is the Sol Active Global Hydrogen ESG Index. Uh, the top 10 holdings are Plug Power Incorporated, Bloom Energy, Ballard Power, um, Fuel Cell Energy, Lindy. Like, so it's all Mitsubishi, Kemi. Um, 30% the US, 24% Britain. So there's a lot of um, good stuff happening in Europe. South Korea, 15%. Canada, 10%. Pretty diversified. Mm. Um, it's got bugger all history because it's been around for 10 minutes. But yeah. if you're interested in uh, investing in hydrogen stuff, I'm just opening the fact sheet here. Yeah, it's um Yeah, here we go. The Sol Active Global Hydrogen ESG Index is made of 30 hydrogen businesses in developed markets plus Korea and Taiwan. Hydrogen companies are identified by Sol Active using natural language processing which reads through companies' public documents, websites and media releases to determine their primary business activity. So it's like it's a bit of um uh, AI scanning through software, <laughs> through companies. Uh, identified hydrogen companies are then split between pure play and non-pure plays using FactSet's RBIC sector classification system. No idea what that means. Those in RBC, RBICS sub-industries, fuel cell equipment, technology providers, thermal and chemical processing machinery makers are pure plays. So at the coalface, I guess. Um, the top 30 companies by market cap are picked. The weights of each pure play stocks are capped at 10%. It sounds like it's, it sounds like an active fund. Um, just so hard to choose, isn't it? 
Oh, yeah. Like, there's, there's, how, do you, how do you go about it? Yeah, well, that's it. Like, do you, you just got to you, you you gotta, focus on uh, industry? Oh, oh, I think it, this goes back to. Sorry, I'm just texting Vince. Um, I think it goes back to this whole core satellite approach with investing. So you might have a core of, you say, if you've got 100% of your money, mm. we might have a core of 80%. And we're putting that core into Vanguard Diversified Growth Fund. Yeah. Or the, uh, the DFFH, Diversified or Growth Fund. Yeah. So just bread and butter core. Yeah. Then with your 20%, you might then go, well, I'm going to have four satellites mm. of 5% or two of 10%. Bit of a scattergun. So then you, those satellite things can be more highly concentrated. Mm. So we're not just putting 100% of our money into some new hydrogen yeah. ETF. Yeah. That just Because it's so niche. Yeah. And in the book, I really spelled out, um, you know, risk. Yeah. And- You've got sector risk, industry risk, like, you know, it's just all in that one niche. So, these thematic ETFs and investments, yeah, absolutely, they're going to be a satellite part of your portfolio. Um, let's quickly see what other people said. Um, yeah, another one for ACDC is a lithium battery and tech one. Uh, that's Angelica Walsh Good with man. electric and self-driving cars increasing. Lithium battery and tech demand will also go up. Um, bells, bells. Um, Pozman says, put it all in the crypt ETF and watch it moon. Love it. Um, Maybe we should keep a track of all these and um, come back in a month's time and see how they Yeah, I might. 12 months. Could uh, do that. And the winner is? Actually, does someone want to do that for us? And we'll get you on and you can give us a, um, yeah. an analysis. This this kid was right. Yeah. Uh, Gus Troop says Robo or ETHI. Um, yeah. Niall Kuma, who was on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, uh, NDQ, which is the NASDAQ uh, top 100 um, ETF. Mm. Uh, so... That's uh, tech companies out of the US. So, yeah, lots in there. I would um, encourage everyone to read this and just get encouraged and inspired. And, you know, if looking at this crap um, just encourages you not to spend money on consumables but to invest, well, that's cool. But I would just really caution these thematic things to really keep as a satellite. Well, and just just what you've read up on like mm. spring carnival time for all the all the punters out there mm. like don't just take a tip and go and apply it like do do some homework on it mm. and uh, be comfortable where you where you're landing your money mm. so i just got uh i ordered some stickers from sticker mule which where's where i get the m3 stickers from Expected Tuesday the 2nd of November. Mm. They haven't arrived. They've missed. And I've just um, tracked this shipment. I've just got an uh, an email saying, how did you rate it? And I'm like, well, it's (laughs) just not here yet. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's still in transit. Gosh. So, you know how we've got the boat, Candy's Dream? Yeah. Is that what it's called? Yeah. 
because Tim's nickname's Candy. Oh, right. So I got um, we I got Tim from Best Signs to do the Candy's Dream thing. Right. And I did it, and I surprised Tim. <laughs> nice. Was he wrapped? He's like, you're a dickhead. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you we've gave got- me a, mm. a motivation last week. How? I actually went out on the boat on Sunday. Oh, did you? Mm. Yeah. So hang on. So you own a boat. Yes. What do you have again? Oh, just the outboard thing. Yeah. Ten, I went boating. Really? Mm. Um, what brand is it? Don't know, mate. I'll just sit in it. Did you own it with Tim or someone? No, with um, my brother-in-law and father-in-law. Right. Can mm. you send me a photo of it? Sure. Where did you go? Hawkesbury. Oh, well, on the way to the Hawkesbury. Mm. There was an accident. Was Sunday, yeah. we left uh, Wyong at um, like 12.30 lunchtime, yep. going down the freeway before Gosford, and it's like there's a crash on Mooney Mooney. It's closed. So we then just shot off at Gosford, put it in at uh, um, Tascot. Yeah. Then we went down um, and just had a bit of a fish under the Rip Bridge. Yeah. Do you know it's 30 metres deep under there? Is it? Yeah. So the bridge is only 17 metres high off the water. Oh, wow. But right under the bridge, it's only like three metres deep. So I don't jump off it, kids. No. Yeah, which they probably do. Um, Then we just went out to Adelaw and all that. Um, But anyway, so Tim lives at Wyong and our group message of a few of us, the group message is called the Royal Wyong Yacht Squadron. So I got JP in our team to make some logos up, Royal Wild Yacht Squadron, and i got some stickers for everyone to put it on their car. <laughs> and I'm going to get some T-shirts made up as well. Oh, this great. is the stuff we do here at Sort Your Money Out. We do fun stuff. I've got, I've got Jay Bandy who could do some T-shirts for you. Oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah, I might do that. Yeah. Shout out to Everything Sports. Um, oh, I was going to update everyone as well before we go. few of you who've been listening for a while know that I have this recurring dream. Yes. And it's not really a dream. It's I wake up panicking mm. that I haven't fed the dog <laughs> and it's gone hungry. <laughs> the problem is I don't have a dog. No. <laughs> it happened again last dog. week. Did it? The other night happened again. Wow. I woke up. It was like 12.30 a.m. I'm like, oh, crap. And I feel so terrible that the little thing's gone hungry. <laughs> Yes. And then I just have this fear, like, oh, I haven't fed it. And then when I wake up properly, I'm like, oh, that's right. I don't have a dog. And this is a re- reoccurring thing in my life. Oh, shit. And just before you go, we were talking about um, electric bikes, e-bikes last week. Yes. You haven't and bought one of you? Well, well, Johnson. Hi, Glenn. I've been listening to the MM pod since around March this year and I've gotten so much out of it. I've come to this a little later in life, have enjoyed spending everything inside, um, in, have enjoyed spending everything instead of building my future. Now the loop principle totally resonates with me. Um, I've started investing in and halved my detox debt. Uh, they've learned so much. So I was listening to today's podcast 
I heard you talk about mountain e-bikes. We design, import, and sell e-bikes online. Wow. Link to our range is below. If you are interested in any of them, send me the links and I'll come back to you with a special deal as a gesture. Wow. Did you hit him up? If not, all good. Well, I had a look, so I got that at, what was the time? I wrote back. <laughs> I wrote back at 11.23 p.m. So, I'm learning. Yes. I'm like, I'm learning. I'm getting better. So I was straight onto his website. I'm like, yep, I want that one. It's black. It looks cool. I'm doing this. And I'm like, oh, hang on. My own rule is I don't spend shat. Give it 24 hours. Without this, this is an impulse free zone. And I wrote back, thanks for your nice email and words. Thanks also for your offer. Let me sleep on it so I don't do anything dumb. And then my biggest problem is I don't actually have any storage room as my garage <laughs> yes. is my studio. But let me think about it. <laughs> mm. uh, so, for, uh, and he wrote back, thanks for your time. So, I will actually give it a miss at this time. Yeah. Uh, but I really appreciate you reaching out and offering um, an e-bike. Be doing well to get his hands on one of them at this time. I'm, I'm yeah. told June next year at, at the earliest mm. if you haven't pre-ordered. Mm. Mm. I'm actually going to Queenstown next year, I think, um, in May. Oh, yeah. A bit of a working holiday with some friends. Why not? Um, probably going to go over with Phil, James and Vince and we'll just do a bit of work of a morning, do a bit of recreation of an afternoon, bit um, of, uh, a bit of mountain biking. Skiing? Well, I want to go in before the ski season because I'm not a skier. Mm. I'd break my legs or whatever. Yep. So when I went to write the book in March, uh, in May, it was nice and crisp and cold. Yeah. And perfect. But there's heaps of good mountain biking there. There is. Yeah. Mm. yeah that's good. Good idea. Yes. All right, peeps. Thank you. Um, sorry if you're still listening. Just like to catch up with all of you, let you know what's going on in my world. Anything else in your world, John? No, no. Just uh, standard work, sport, kids. Oh, just got a notification from. Beck Mason on Facebook, she says V-E-T-H or N-D-Q as her investment. And I'll give her a little like on that. So, if she ever hears this, she knows I was chatting. Live. Live. Very good. Oh, okay. Here we go. I asked Vince, who owns ETF Securities? He says it's independent, founded by Graham Tuckwell. I was getting... um, I was getting... Um, State Street ETFs. I was getting confused with ah oh, SS. Um, yeah, SPDR. I was getting confused with SPDR. Sorry, guys. Um, they're another um, ETF provider, and their main fund uh, in Australia is STW, um, and their ESG fund is E two hundred on the ASX. So, mm, as they say, please. spank me sideways, and I will see you guys soon. Bye. Bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.